Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast with your host, Kyle Marcotte. On the Own Your Own Time podcast, we talk about how to become financially free and own your time. Hope you enjoy. Today, we have Dave Mason on the show. Dave is a personal growth junkie, entrepreneur, and novelist. Two years ago, Dave realized his financial difficulties originated from a lack of financial literacy, and he began working on his latest book, The Cash Machine, a tale of passion, persistence, and financial independence. Dave is also an Orthodox rabbi and lives with his family in Israel. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. So Dave, can you give us a little bit of background on how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So I'm from the States originally, grew up in Connecticut, and I was one of those people who didn't know what they wanted to do with their lives, so went to law school, wound up becoming an attorney, even though I didn't really have a huge passion for law, but I thought, oh, okay, I should do kind of a smart thing, make a smart choice, still paying off those law school loans 20 years later, but was was an attorney. I was an attorney for a couple of years in the Natural Resources Defense Council. I was doing environmental litigation. And then I kind of realized that, you know what? I liked the work I was doing, but I didn't want my life to become the lives of my coworkers. And I said, I wanted something different. It's okay while I'm single, but I don't want to be working these crazy hours. I want to have a very different type of lifestyle. And I picked up and I moved to Israel and I went into business. I started selling different home decor products online. Mostly these days, cabinet knobs that uh, on my website, knobs.co. And that's kind of what I did to create a part-time business so that I've been able to really blessed to be able to work a half hour, an hour a day on my core business that's been supporting me and started focusing a lot of my energy into personal growth work, into religious growth work and into writing. I started off with a biblical series, biblical fiction series, and then started saying that there are other questions that were really I was so curious about it. I wanted to learn more about it. And I found there's no better way to learn about a subject than to research and write a novel on that topic. So I wrote a book called The Size of Your Dreams that we say is kind of like Think and Grow Rich Meets Dead Poet Society. It teaches all of these different skills about how to manifest your goals in your life. And then I realized that probably the number one thing holding us back was that I just didn't know what I was doing about money. We'd made a lot of money, but we'd made a lot of dumb choices in spending and investing money. And I thought, okay, it's time I did a deep dive into money. And so we spent two years writing this book, The Cash Machine, which I wrote together with my wife. And it literally goes through hundreds of financial lessons, all told, surprisingly enough, through a love story. That's amazing, man. And it is interesting that you chose to do a love story. Um, I do actually have a question about manifesting because you mentioned that briefly. And I think that this is something that people get confused quite a bit. Uh, The secret definitely made it kind of a weird thing that people sometimes turn away from. So I'd like to hear your kind of perception on what manifesting is and how you go about doing it. Absolutely. So one of the biggest things in manifesting, and I think the secret's got it somewhat right. A lot of it is repetition. A lot of it is focusing yourself on your goals. So one of the things I got from Think and Grow Rich that really hit home was this idea of focusing on your goals a good three times or more per day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, and at least once in the middle of the day. And I started after reading that book, making these note cards where I'd go through my various goals and I'd, every note card would have the outcome I wanted to hit, the date I was committed to hitting it by, and the steps I would take in order to reach it. And I'd go through and I'd read it every single day, multiple times per day. And it always brought my focus back to the task at hand, back to what do I need to do to accomplish that goal? And it really got it ingrained. And whenever I've been following those cards, I I fall off sometimes, I'll find myself slipping, I'm getting less done. 
And when I focus on my cards, I get a ton done. Really when I felt the power of those cards was years ago, we were in a financial crunch and we realized that we'd spent way too much money on this house and we needed to unload it. And so I wrote a note card to sell the house. Now the problem with selling the house was that we dumped so much money into it that it was just more expensive than the other houses in the neighborhood. We needed to get more than the going rate for houses in the neighborhood because we'd, we'd made it too fancy for what the neighborhood could handle. So I knew we needed, it was worth what we were asking, but we needed like a unique type buyer to get it. So I started focusing on, okay, we need to get a certain amount of money out of it. I had a date, July 27th, 2015, that I was gonna sell the house by. And I had a certain amount of money. And so I wrote this, read this card every single day, multiple times per day. I intend to sell my house by July 27, 2015 for X amount of money. And to do that, I will do X, Y, Z. And I'd go through the steps and sometimes I'd try a step and it wouldn't work and I'd cross it out and I'd write a new one. The card would change, it would evolve over time. But really when it, it hit me, how powerful this was, was after closing, we actually wind up selling it to friends of ours and we celebrated, you know, opened up a bottle of champagne afterwards when we, when we closed. And I brought up this card and I showed it to them. They're like, what is this? And I said, well, this is what I've been working on. I've been trying to manifest for the past six months. And they were shocked because that day where we closed was July 27th, 2015. And we'd closed for exactly that amount of money. And that just really taught me these things work. This is really powerful. And that's what got me to write a whole novel on this subject, because I think the principles in Think and Grow Rich are amazing. And I think the book is really inaccessible for most readers. You know, it was written in 1937. Writing has changed drastically. The examples in the book are drastically different. So to have a, a novel that is set in a high school classroom where you can relate to the characters and the process they're going through, but that is teaching you all of these core skills, to me, it was just a very effective way of getting this across. I personally think people learn best through story. And so far, I've, the number of people who've told us that this book has been life-changing for them, it's, it's unreal. That's amazing. The, the main thing that I really like about your version of manifesting is that you said, to get this, I will do. That was the most important thing on the card, in my opinion, was the date is great. It sets your mind, it sets your frame, but then you've also listed um, things below it as to the steps you're going to have to take in order to get that. So the manifesting almost becomes about just focusing your mind on a specific thing, but then taking action towards that thing. And that's what manifesting is. It's not just asking the ether for something and doing nothing for it. It's just using it as a process to focus your attention and your effort. So that's amazing. Um, and then I kind of want to go into some of the key points of your, of your latest novel, um, The Cash Machine. Absolutely. So you mentioned before how funny it was that it was a love story. And we were talking about that, a bit about that before the show. This was not intended as a love story at all. It was intended as a buddy book between these two guys, Kyle and Dylan. And yet, one thing I've learned over the years is to let a story take me where it wants to go, not to force the hand and say, no, this is the vision I have for this story. I'm going to make it work. And really, Dylan's girlfriend, Amber, just became the most powerful character. And I realized the reason why is basically it started off with these two guys who took a trip down to Mexico. And they met somebody, this kooky old fisherman, who was telling them the path they were on financially, they were both college freshmen at the time, was not a smart one. You know, if they were chasing a dream and they're hoping to go through school and take on all these loans because they had a lifelong dream they're trying to manifest, fine. But if they were in school to be getting a secure financial foundation for themselves and provide for their families, they're going about it a stupid way. Now, Kyle listened to this and says, you're some crazy old man. What do you know? I'm on a great path. He becomes the control. He goes back to college, goes to law school, gets a job at a top law firm. 
Dylan decides to listen. He drops out of school and starts applying all of these financial lessons he's learning from this old fisherman, Luther. And when he drops out of school, he winds up breaking up unintentionally with his girlfriend, Amber, who he'd hoped would kind of go on this journey with him. And she's like, writes him off as some dropout loser and she breaks up with him. And the book starts seven years later. So that's kind of the backstory. The book starts seven years later when Amber and Dylan kind of reunite. And originally this was a story about Dylan and his process and all the things he's learning. But I realized that Dylan was the kind of guy who saw something that made sense and decided, okay, I'm gonna do this, despite the fact that it's gonna be difficult. Whatever, I'll deal with it. He was a very stoic individual. And stoic individuals who don't struggle much emotionally, they're just not very interesting characters. Amber, his girlfriend on the other hand, realized that this was a good guy and she was getting it to that point in life when she wanted to get married, she wanted to build a family, she wanted to have a good guy in her life. She'd always, she'd never gotten over Dylan, but she was really struggling with the, the fact that he'd taken a very different financial path. And so it was a question, can I go down this path with him or can I not? And she basically says, before I can decide this, before I get too emotionally involved again, because you totally broke my heart seven years ago when you went off down this crazy path of yours, I want you to teach me what it is to be building a cash machine, as she calls it, which is basically taking and implementing all of this financial knowledge that you've amassed. I want you to teach it to me now, fast, before I get totally locked in emotionally, because I need to decide if I can go down this path with you or not. So what is this path exactly? So first of all, it's the path of financial independence. This was a major concept for me when I first learned it. I'd never even heard of the idea of financial independence. And I think had I known that, had I had a strong financial goal when I started my business, I think I would have hit it in a few years because my business out of the gates was doing quite well. But I started making stupid financial choices because I didn't really know what to do with money. So now had I gone back, I would have gone for financial independence. So what is financial independence? A person is financially independent when their passive sources of income exceed their cost of living. So if you're able to, you know, in my case, I have an active business, my knobs business. If I'm able to take income out of that business and put it into passive income sources, such as, you know, one easy example is rental real estate, buying, you know, an apartment and renting it out and having somebody manage it, then it would be a passive source of income. If I can be taking my active income, putting it into passive income sources, once that exceeds my cost of living, then even if my business falls to pieces, even if like so many people are losing their businesses now, even if my business was to fall apart, I'd be okay because it's, my income is not dependent upon me needing to go out and work. That's not to say I wouldn't work. I'd still do things out of passion. I wouldn't sit, uh, sit around on my butt all day, but I wouldn't have to work. And that was a real innovation for me. And that's what Dylan was going after in the book and what Amber was trying to get her head around. Wow. Uh, I have never heard it broken down in that amazing way. I think that you define financial independence in a great way as well. And I think the listeners can take a lot from that. That's kind of the whole thesis of this podcast is to try to get across what you just said. So I think that that book's a great idea for anyone listening. Definitely go and get that book. Um, and then if you could boil down one piece of advice that you'd give to a 20 year old, who's maybe in Dylan and Kyle's position in that book, what's the one thing that you would say to them? Learn absolutely learn. It is amazing to me that with all your years of education, you know, K through 12 is 13 years, undergraduates, four years, graduate school can be anywhere from one to eight years. People spent all this time learning to prepare themselves to make a living and almost zero time learning about money 
learning about the very thing they're trying to be going out there and earning. So before you take on any debt, before you make any choices that will marry you to a path and you're not going to be stuck on it, you're going to be so in over your head, like Kyle was so in over his head with debt by the time he graduated law school, that, that he wasn't just an attorney by choice. He liked it. But he really couldn't leave if he wanted to because he had to make so much more than he just needed to live on just to keep up with his debt payments because of the choices he'd made. So I'd tell anyone, before you make any commitments, and now's a great time because so many people are out of school, they don't ha they're out of work, whatever it is, take the time to learn. Learn all about money. I'll repeat what Luther, the crazy old fisherman, said to Dylan. He said, if you spend 1,000 hours learning about money, you can eliminate 80,000 hours of working for money. It's like once you understand the principles of money, your ability to earn it, to amass it, to invest it intelligently, they just go through the roof. So before you spend like, people work on average, I think 90,000 hours in their career throughout their life. And if you take professionals like attorneys, like I, I went to like Kyle, who is going to law school, you know, he's probably going to work 135,000 hours we, can, we calculated in the book over the course of his career. That is a ton. And most of that is to make money. You know, most people in corporate law are not there because that is what their life mission is. That's what their life dream is. They're there to make a really good living. So before you commit all this time to learning how to make a living, learn about money itself. And you could actually eliminate a huge number of those hours you would otherwise need to devote to a career you might not love. And maybe you can actually figure out how to afford a life that you will love because you know the essence of money. You know the power of money. You know how to use money for you rather than you working for it. Gems, man. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic, man. So this has been an amazing podcast. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you? So to check out The Cash Machine, go to buildmycashmachine.com and you can check me out there. For the size of your dreams, that's the book that was collected to Think Grow Rich, go to thesizeofyourdreams.com. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Dave. It's been a pleasure.